right. Um, all right, so like we said, uh, it's Wednesday. It's a little unorthodox, but it's going to be regular. But right now it's unorthodox because it's, it's the first time. So that's cool. Um, as y'all can see, I got on a black shirt today. I heard, uh, I heard some folks say when I was in my white tee on Sunday, it got a little, um, I got on my black shirt today. <laughs> I got on my black shirt today. <laughs> anyway, let's get right to this, y'all. I know we don't have a lot of time. I know it's Wednesday night, so let's get right to this. Uh, as we know, we're in our series. Let me pick up my, my remote here. We're in our series, uh, Tool Up. We're riding out. Uh, you know, we're going over uh, the, the putting on the full armor guy from Ephesians 6, uh, specifically, specifically uh, Sunday and tonight. Man, this thing is just sliding all over. I wish I had like some dreads. This thing wouldn't be going nowhere. I already know. Maybe I can. Will they, will they work like that? Okay. Maybe that'll do. Maybe that'll do. Okay. Uh, yeah, like I said. Um, yeah, Ephesians 6, going over the full armor of God, uh, and we are learning what it really looks like to really have God in our lives, have God, God on us when the things of uh, uh, the spiritual world come to attack us. That's what this whole thing is. Um, so on Sunday, uh, we were talking about truth, right? Uh, like I said, me specifically, I'm talking about truth uh, for yesterday or for Sunday and today. And we went over the, the brain, physical aspect of truth, the things that hit us like in a physical realm. We talked about, uh, we talked about history. We talked about scripture actually being valid uh, uh, from a historical historian's perspective. Uh, we talked about how the gospels prove themselves. We talked about how scripture proves itself because of its authenticity. We talk about the, the prophecies that took place and the prophecies that Christ fulfilled and a whole smorgasbord of topics. Um, and I think we learned from that. I know I learned from it. I know, I know we grew from that. Uh, but today, uh, today, I'm coming more so at our spirit. Um, the Bible talks about worshiping God in spirit, spirit and truth. So I'm coming. I'm coming for. I'm coming for the for the for the mind, if you will. I'm coming for the spirit today. Um, it's funny because God, <laughs> I went. I didn't have a part two until last week. God woke me up at 1:30 in the morning last week and had me up for the next three three and a half hours writing a whole sermon as he was he was teaching me this. So I'm just sharing with y'all what I learned from him on on a uh, on a humbug. <laughs> so. I'm glad y'all get to learn it with me. But anyway, uh, let's go through the scripture itself. We're going to go through. I, I got to read. I got to read the scripture. I got to read it. Um, I like it. There's a pastor recently I've heard him been saying, don't ever feel bad for reading the Bible. Because you know how some pastors be like, oh, bear with me, y'all. I got a lot to. Why? Like, why are we doing that? It's the Bible. So I'm going to read it. Uh, series scripture starting in Ephesians 6 verse 10. Follow along if you got your Bible. Here we go. Uh, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil 
spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the devil, excuse me, resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with the truth like belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Amen. Now, we're here, just so y'all know, we're here at the, the belt. We're here at the belt. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, we're going to talk about still truth, but we're, we're, we're taking our, we're taking a, a, a I don't want to say a different route, but we're taking the additional route. We're taking the additional route today. Uh, we kind of hit on this on Sunday, but we know how culture looks at truth, especially when, like, when it's like a personal truth. Everyone's talking about it's my truth. It's, it's my reality, so it's, it's real for me. It's my truth, and you can't tell me what is and what isn't and all of these other things. And... Basically, we're here to rectify that today. We're here to rectify that. We learned on Sunday that truth isn't subjective. Truth isn't, if truth was subjective, then it wouldn't be truth. Truth is truth. And that's just, that just is what it is. Anybody agree? Everybody agree? Everybody agree. Cool, there we go. So, if you grew up in church, you guys are probably used to uh, seeing someone come down to the pulpit, come down to the altar on a Sunday, whether before church, before service, after service, and they're talking about something miraculous that happened in their life, uh, whether a, a bill got paid or or something 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 like that. Like we're all we're all used to that. If you're a new Christian, or if you're a, if you're someone who converted uh, later in their life, in their mid twenties, in their thirties, or you started to take things more seriously, uh, specifically all like. Pretty much all of us in here, right? Like, we grew up with the internet. You probably saw some people talking on YouTube, talking about their conversion, how they went from atheist to Christian, or how this, somebody had a dream, and they went to hell, and they, the devil told them something. And they went to heaven, and the devil, and, and, and God told them something up there, and they had this thing, and they came down, and they were Christians or new believers or whatever it may be. We've all experienced that, have seen some example of it in some type of way, some type of fashion. What those are examples of are testimonies. We're all familiar with what a testimony is. We all have heard the word being tossed around. Um, and all these things are good, right? But what's the point? What's the point of a testimony? Like, why, like why, why do we have these things? Why is this such a good thing to share? Is it just to get, be to feel good? Is it just to give God praise? Um, the answer is partly. And I know that's a weird answer. <laughs> but that brings me to my title, y'all. All right, so title of today is It's My Truth. Break the Chains, part two. The power and necessity of your testimony. So let's get into this. Uh, I'm going to start this off with a prayer, though. 
So let's get with it. Uh, and I want y'all, I want y'all to pray with me too on this one. All right. So just repeat after me. God, I pray for strength and honesty in my testimony. Amen. All right. So first, what is a testimony? What what is it? Like what 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 is this thing that we talk about, that we know about, that we hear about? Day in, day out, almost. Uh, where it's one of our one of our ministry uh, uh, targets uh, here at Words Way. It's something that's obviously very important. But like, what is it? So we got to go to Webster. Webster, Webster's Dictionary. They say it's a formal, written or spoken statement, especially one given in a court of law. That's definition one, because you know they got like forty-five for one word. The next definition. It's evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. That sound, that sound about familiar, right? The third definition they have, it's a public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. That sounds really, that's, 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 that's ringing some bells, right? That sounds about right, right? Which those are all good, but... Um, God gave me something more specific. So I'm going to read to you all the biblical-influenced definition that God gave me. It's a spirit of prophecy telling the truth from God to man about God to man. Okay. Testimony. It's a spirit of prophecy telling the truth from God to man, about God to man. Okay? So today we're going to be reading from uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to be reading verse 1 through 20. Um, I'm not going to read it all right now. We're just going to kind of follow along. Uh, so uh, let's, let's get this going. <laughs> Mark 5 verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. Gerasenes? Did I say it right? Gerasenes? Anyway. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. That, that he that got out the boat is Jesus. He lived in the tombs, the man. He lived in the tombs. And no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart, smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Yeesh. It's kind of heavy, ain't it? You got to... Guy running up to Jesus all crazy, unclean spirits, cutting himself, doing all this kind of crazy stuff. So our first point, first point, affliction is powerfully unexplainable. That's a whole bunch of syllables for one phrase. But I'm going to say it again. Affliction is powerfully unexplainable, right? Um, has anyone ever had, and I know y'all how y'all going to answer this question, but has anyone ever had something bother them, some type of pain, uh, whether it be spiritual or physical, uh, whatever it may be. 
Hey, has anybody, has, y'all have had issues, y'all have had some things going on, right? I have too, spiritual and physical. They, they, they both are there. But remember, these things, these, these, spiritual, these spiritual pains, these physical things that we see, uh, it's all spiritual warfare. That's why we're putting on the truth of the armor, or excuse me, the truth of the armor of God. That's why we're putting this on, right? And these physical issues, these physical things that we come into, whether it's, um, whether it's an issue in some of our relationships, whether it's something going on at our job, whether we got a flat tire, whether we just keep bickering and bickering with somebody, whether we can't make a payment, whatever it may be, it's all, it's all spiritual warfare at the end of the day. That's why our scripture says, right? Now, the thing is, why does this happen? It's almost kind of like a mystery. If we look at our scripture, let me go back to it. If we look at our scripture, the man with the unclean spirit, he kind of just comes out of nowhere. There's no explanation. There's no rhyme or reason as to why this guy is like this. Like why he has this issue, why he's crazy cutting himself, doing all these things. And I was thinking about this, right? Like that's kind of like our issues. That's kind of how the things that we have wrong with us, the things that we don't want to be happening to us, they just kind of come out of nowhere. The depression. There's no explanation for depression. We just wake up and we're like, I'm sad. And I'm really sad. And I I can't shake this off of me. I don't know why. I'm just sad. It's it's interesting, right? Like, this is is how I look at, at the Bible, right? I really feel like the Bible doesn't get its credit for how poetic of a book it really is. The things that, that, that Scripture talks about really blows my mind, right? Excuse me. Um, now, here's the thing. Despite the man's craziness, despite all of these things that was going on, his unclean spirits, uh, him running around like a madman, being forced to be tied down and all these different things, there was still a piece of him trying to get out of his suffering. Why else would he break these chains off the tomb wall? Like, he's in a little boy is in a cave. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the people who put him there, because I don't think he put himself there, but the people who put him there, they're trying to get rid of him. So they're going to strap him to a wall, but he's still breaking chains off, getting out of this, this tomb, but he's still dealing with his unclean spirits. So it's in our inexplicable, inexplicable pain that there's still a piece of us that doesn't want it, right? Like, no matter how... Obviously, he doesn't want to be here, but he'll still turn around and cut himself. The, the man with the unclean spirits we're talking about, right? Obviously, that there, there's, there's an issue that somewhere in there he knows isn't right, but for whatever reason, he cannot, he just can't shake it. It's kind of like we, for whatever reason, can't shake our depression, like I was saying. We can't shake our, our, our tendency to get overly angry for no reason. Like, we can't shake... Uh, the uh, being lazy on a job when we know we need the job and we want to work and we want to produce well, but man, it's just something I can't shake. This, these are like the afflictions that we see in our lives from a spiritual standpoint. And it's the pain that tricks us. It's the, it's the pain that tricks us into, into thinking that, oh, well, well, well I, it's just me. I'll never be able to get through this. It, it'll, it'll never, I'm never going to shake this. This is just it's a part of who I am, and that's what happens, too. We, we start to accept these things. It's just me. If you can't accept me for me, then is that, is that really you? 
or are you, are you dealing, losing a spiritual battle? And you got to look, too. You got to notice that it says that the man was, was, it says that the man was free. But the thing is, he, he chose and wanted to stay isolated. I don't know what, what he may have known, but I think he knew that if he got free, he was going to have to deal with this issue on his own. It's funny because we can only break out ourselves so much and still look crazy. It's the way that, it's the way that we come to, to terms with ourselves or think we come to terms with ourselves and we say, oh, I don't have an issue. I don't have a drinking problem. I'm not addicted to porn. I can drop it at any time. Thinking that you broke yourself free, but you're still locked down. Because two weeks from now, the next day, three months from now, you're back doing what you said that you didn't have a problem with. You're back going in on your friend for no reason. You're back doing all of these different things that you said you were free from, but you're not. Let's continue. Mark chapter 5, verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. And he cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, come out, he, God, Jesus, had told him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him, my name is Legion. That's, why, that's what I think he sounded like, the, the spirits that was in him. My name is Legion. He answered him because there were many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 2,000 pigs rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned right there. That's some crazy stuff. I, I wish I would see 2,000 pigs just randomly running down a hill and killing themselves. That's wild. But next point, even demons will tremble. We all have heard this phrase, but it's true. Now, we think the man himself, it, it, we think that he's running to Jesus, Right? But the, the, the crazy thing is, like, he's not present in this moment. You got to remember, he's like, from a worldly standpoint, remember I talked about physical things being manifested, or excuse me, spiritual warfare being manifested in physical, visible issues. So from a worldly standpoint, you got to think, these people must think this man is just straight crazy, schizophrenic, whatever you want to call it, whatever mental health illness we could put on it on earth, right? But... He's demon-possessed, so he's, he's not conscious. The guy, the unclean, the unclean man, he's not conscious of what's going on. He may be there, but his movements, he's... Anybody watch Black Mirror? I know a few people of y'all, but like, Black Mirror, have y'all binged it? Binged it, binged it. If you haven't, go check it out if you like sci-fi stuff. It's very interesting. Anyway, there's, there's an episode where uh, the main character, he, like, he did some type of deal, and... He was forced to have his consciousness Im embedded in someone else's body. It's really weird. Like I said, it's sci-fi. But anyway, he had his consciousness embedded in someone else's body. So he could see everything through this person's eyes. He could feel stuff, all of that. But he didn't have any say as to what was going on. 
He couldn't move his arm if he wanted to. This is what I imagine the guy with the unclean spirits was like. I, I imagine he was literally like just like a, a puppet almost, but not doing any moving. He was just there. Like he's there. Life was terrible. He wished he could stop. He doesn't want to cut himself. He doesn't want to be chained up in this tomb and clearly just across the water from wherever else, everywhere else was. But he's there. So be it. So anyway, we see, we see this guy talking. We see him uh, uh, come up, and as the, as the scriptures tells it, as, as the story goes, he comes up to Jesus, and he starts talking. Well, I think this was on purpose. I think this was like written like this on purpose. We just talked about it not really being him. We discovered that it was actually the demons in him speaking the whole entire time. The man, is, he's just, he's merciless right now. He can't do anything. And the reason why we know this, it, the first thing that, that is said, uh, if I go back to it, the first thing that was mentioned was verse 7. He cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, the son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. Now, why on earth would a guy who's been locked in a tomb for I don't know how long, chained up, can't do anything, why in the world would he know who Jesus is? This dude just on a boat, traveling all around, all around the Middle East, and doing all these miracles and wonders and preaching and doing all of this stuff. How would he know? It's because it wasn't him. It was the demons talking. The demons literally had full control over this man, and he was doing whatever they wanted him to do. All right. The thing about it is, this is exactly why Christ immediately spoke to the demons, not the man, not the man himself. He knew that there was no reason to say, oh, Jebediah, get out of yourself. The, no, Christ already knew what was going on. And this is the first clue that we have to know that demons have no chance against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You got to think, they barely got into his presence and they came to him submitting. They literally, they said that he ran up to Jesus and knelt down. We already know that that's not the man doing these things. The demons ran up to Jesus and knelt down. They knew exactly who it was. They knew who they was talking to and they said, we better come correct or we're going to die. And we don't want that. We don't want them problems. Right? They rather do away with themselves than meet with Christ. They rather do away with themselves. They rather, they rather go into some pigs of all things and drive themselves into the sea than deal with God. And it's dope because this is the first example of a testimony, and it's coming straight from the Lord's mouth. Right? Let me go back to it. Let me go back to this. In verse 8, the first thing that Jesus says is, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Period. He's testifying against or on behalf of the account of this man so that he may be healed. The even cooler thing is, this is actually a picture. We've seen this before. This whole scene right here, we've seen before. Flip to Revelations 12 if you got it. I'll give you 2.5 seconds. Half, two, one. Here we go. 
She gave birth to a son, a male who was going to rule all nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God, to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had placed, well, excuse me, where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon thrown out, the ancient serpent, excuse me, the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them by our God day and night has been thrown down. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. We already saw this. The, the, the pigs, or excuse me, the demons begging to be thrown into some pigs and thrown down into the sea is nothing but a picture of Satan being tossed out of heaven for his false witness, for his pride, for all of the things that he, that he did wrong. This is our promise that the truth is that the battle is already won. We're good. The devil lost. Satan lost. It's over. Jesus has got the victory. We don't have to worry about anything or any of this anymore. So how long will it take us to get in his presence? If these demons will even immediately get in his presence when he's even in the area, how long is it going to take us, the ones who love us, or excuse me, Excuse me, the ones who he loves, the ones who he has promised us salvation simply for our belief in him. How long is it going to take us to get in his presence? How long is it going to take us to, to deliver on the truth of whatever it is that we're going to give it to him, truly submit it to him and let it be so that it can go away? I got a, I have, I got a friend literally deals with clinical depression. He literally has clinical, clinical depression. He's been going to the doctors, has been... Uh, uh, of course, praying, he's a Christian, right? Going to the doctors, getting medication, all these different things. But he was telling me, as soon as he started, like, to really pray, like, really, really pray and really give these things to the Lord, he's been good. Like, he's lit, like, like no more of the, the crushing depression that he had, no more debilitating stuff. Like, he, he's able to think and live and building businesses. Like, it's, it's crazy what happens when we actually give our issues and everything to God. And not just say it, right? But anyway, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Uh, the men, we're in verse 14 now. The men who tended to them, the pigs, the men who tended to them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Okay, those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him, Jesus, to leave their region. Why? What? I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, let's keep going. So, next point. Oh, they're going to talk. They're going to they're gonna talk. 
they, 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 they're going to talk. We see that regardless of the results of what happened, Christ is still what was being talked about. Whether, whether the people were excited for what happened or whether they were naysayers and being negative about it, whatever it may be, they was talking about Christ. This is our second example of a testimony in census, right? The people who went to town, they reported to the townspeople what happened and everything was good, right? Like this is, this is what's going on. This is another example of testimony just in this, in this, uh, in this story here. Now, the thing is, this wasn't just like a normal report, um, as was said in the scripture. Like they went to say, it said that they went to report it. This wasn't just normal. The Greek word that they used, <clears throat> excuse me, the Greek word that they used is anangelo. I got that one right. <laughs> the Greek word they used is anangelo. And anangelo, this is more of like, an, it's a very expressive, very detailed uh, uh, telling or sharing of a story. So what I imagine, this is what I imagine. Please, please, y'all, just, just humor me. This is what I imagine. Girl, let me tell you what happened. Oh, my God. I just saw this man. He, like, it was very descriptive. Like, they, like they was going in because they just saw 2,000 pigs run down a hill into a sea. You don't see that every day. So they had to give. They had to give it. They had to give it. They had, they had to really tell what was going on. <laughs> Excuse me. Y'all don't talk about me. <laughs> but this is the thing. The, 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 this, is, this is what the result was of this, this testimony that these people were given, this very expressive testimony that these people were given. If you look at the, at the very next scripture in that passage we just read, it made the people come to Jesus. Huh. You don't say. So even if you tell, if you tell this crazy thing, if you tell this miraculous event, this miraculous account, this miraculous story of what happened in your life, that people are at least going to take a look at Jesus? Ain't that what we want? So we have to know and understand we can't hold on to our testimony. We can't hold on to the truth. If it really happened, we can't hold on to the truth. Now, once the people are aware of what Jesus did and what, what went happened and what, what went on in your life and what was turned around and what was healed and cured and, and fixed and all these different things, and it's up to them to believe, right? It's up to them. We don't, a a after that's done, we've done our part. Now, the other thing that, that was kind of weird to me was it said that, it basically said that they were afraid. They begged him to leave. Why would you beg Jesus to leave? He just healed, he just healed this guy who y'all know has been stuck in his tomb for who knows how long, going crazy, it's, it's, it said when they got there, he was sitting down in his right mind, fully dressed. After y'all been seeing him forever, I'm going to just say forever. After y'all been seeing him forever, scratching himself, clawing himself up, breaking out of chains, having his superhuman strength, and now you see him, he probably yelling all night, ah, oh my God, what? he's probably doing all this crazy stuff, and y'all just going to sleep with it, not even worried about it, but you see him and he's good, like, like nothing ever happened. And you're going to tell the man who did that to leave. I don't understand. And then I had, to, I had to think, why would they want Jesus to leave? It's because they didn't value the man more than they valued their livelihood. When they saw all them pigs, when they saw all this money, 
Because you got to think, this is like 1 BC, right? Like, hey, AD 300. Yeah, this is like 1 BC, right? Jesus is getting close in his, he's, he's getting close in his ministry, right? He's getting, so he's, he's almost about to die. So this is 1 BC. Pigs, they, they was getting that bread off them pigs, especially 2000. Hey, they saw all these pigs from what they, from their perspective, why did he send them into the pigs and make them kill themselves? He couldn't have did it a better way. We lost everything. Ah, you could tell you could have kept him. He's not worth it. Like, come on, man. Because that's how we are today. That's how our society is today. We we want to have our things. We want to have our our fleshly, worldly things. We want to have these our, our, our nice stuff in our lives. We want to have all of this, and we could care less who we get over on. I'm not talking about us though. We 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 we, we're a little better here, right? But the people who we need to be sharing our testimony with, the people who we're inversely ministering to, that's all that matters. It's me or nobody else. And, and that's it. And I don't care what happens. It's whatever. They should have been in a better position. They should have been. That's exactly how we as a society are willing to do it. And we have to get out of that. We got to get out of that. But we, now, we are the ones that are going to help the world get out of that, but we got to follow in on this, right? We got to follow in. So, uh, despite the countless times we've seen him deliver and free people, they still are saying, get him out of here. I don't, I don't care. Like, this is, this is pointless. We just lost everything because of you, because of you. Who do you think you are, son of God? <laughs> Go on somewhere. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. Verse 18. We're almost done here. We're almost done. We're getting through this. Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, Jesus, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. It's a beautiful end to the story, right? It's a beautiful end. I, I like that. So, last point. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. You got to think, this man who was basically outcast, in solitary confinement, going crazy, needed the most help, needed everything, needed, he, now, now he needs somewhere to go. He's been healed by Christ. He's been good. He's been, he's been taken, taken back. He's been polished up. Everything's been made new. Now he needs somewhere to go. And just like him, when we're lost, we need to seek Jesus. Granted, he was right there, right there with him, so he said, well, I ain't got nothing else. Or just like when we get over porn, I ain't got nothing. I don't know what else to do now with my free time. Or just like when we... Man, I, I can't punch nobody now, so what can I do? We need to seek Jesus. And here's the thing. This is what's going to happen. One of two things will happen. He'll either tell you where to go, or he'll give us clarity on what to do. Look at, look at the disciples. You got the disciples, the apostles, right? They sought Jesus. He said, come on with me. All right. Look at this man who's in our story. Jesus said, no, nah, don't come with me, but you can go over and do this. 
We, we wonder what, <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. We wonder what's our passion. We all wonder what's going on. We all wonder what it is that we're supposed to do in life. Maybe if we shared our testimony, gave our lives to Jesus, he'll probably point us the way that we need to go. It's not up to everything for us to figure out, right? It's not up for us to figure. We don't have to stress and do all of that to figure things out if we just give our lives to Christ and actually give it to him. But here's the thing. This is, this is it, right? Like this is, this is the sermon. This is the entire sermon that I have. This is, this is the whole thing summed up right here. I'm about to give it to you. Uh, the entire thing. Uh, where do we go? The entire sermon right here. Jesus did not let him but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's it. That's the entire thing. That's all we need to worry about uh, when it comes to this whole thing of testimony that I'm talking about and, and testimony actually being our truth, the truth that we need to worry about, the truth of our belt. That's the entire sermon right there. And what it's saying is the closest people to you are going to be the ones who benefit from the truth the most. You got to think, these people are his family. He's been gone. Clearly, he's been gone. And I wouldn't be surprised if when he left them is when he started to go crazy. It's when he started to them, man, what's going on with Jebediah? Why? That's not his actual name. That's just the name I gave him. So follow along. What's going on with Jebediah? Like, why is he, what's going, what's, what's wrong with him? Like, where is he going? They wake up the next day and he's gone. Wandered off somewhere. Never to be seen again until he comes home and he's perfectly fine. Nothing's wrong with him. And he again, they use that word. They use that word, the, the report, the, uh, what did I say? Janela, Janelas, Anyway, whatever. They use that word again. It's a very, Jesus told him to go and give a very detailed expressive report of what happened to you. He said, tell it all. And mind you, he knows what's going on. He knew what was going on that whole time in his head. He's going to tell his family, y'all, I was shackled up in the chains. I was, it's crazy. I was actually breaking chains out of rocks. I ain't never been that strong. But I don't know what was going on with me, all these things. And then this man came and he spoke all of these demons out of me and they, and they did all of this. And his family's just going to sit there what? Amazed. Scripture says that they were amazed. Now, here's the thing. The, the, the word for amazement that they was using, look, I'm a real geek. I told y'all this on Sunday. I can get real nerdy about this stuff, right? So I went and looked at this. I'm like, man, this has got to be something. Let, let's see what else. So amazement, the, the word that they used for amazement in the Greek, it wasn't just a, oh, oh, wow. What? That's crazy. It wasn't just that. Like, how we would say we're amazed. The word was, was thaumatso. Y'all like that? The, that pronunciation? Because yeah, it's Greek, right? They're Italian, so that's my thaumatso. Anyway, thaumatso, it, it means that it's an admiration for the source of the amazement. So not the actual event that happened, but it was an admiration for Jesus. Because you got to think when he's telling his story, he said, yeah, this guy, his name is Jesus, and he... And his family, after they're hearing this story, they're hearing his testimony, they stand back and they say, oh, that's, no, that's crazy. Who is this Jesus? 
I really admire Jesus, whoever he is. So basically the biggest thing is for our testimony, we have to know that our testimony is going to bring people to Jesus just like it brought his family to Jesus. Just like it made these people, maybe they heard of him, maybe they hadn't. But it's hearing this story, they're able to say, wow, I love that guy. I need to know who it is. I, I at least believe that he can do what you said he did. This is the power of our testimony that we have to have. This is the power of the truth that we have to walk in in our testimony. Remember, it's, it's, it's about God to man, for God to man. It's not, it's not anything special or miraculous or aside from it being of God, but it's nothing, it's nothing uh, spooky that we've had or, or, or something that just seems like it's regular religion. Like, your testimony is important. It's valid. It's valuable. It's important for the person who may have said they would never do anything related to Christ, nothing, for them to come to the Lord and be, be good in salvation forever. Sometimes we're so worried about having the right words to say to minister to somebody. Sometimes we're worried about, oh, man, I don't know if I can get this. It's not about you to convert. Just share your testimony. Just talk about what God has done in your life and let God do the rest. His work is what, is what is our, our testimony is in. It's, it's all about him. Paul even talks about this. Paul says that, that we are, we are to, to plant the seed, uh, uh, to water it, but God is the one who makes it grow. We don't have to put our stress on anything. We just have to be the ones that share our testimony, let our ministry work in that way, and let God do whatever it is that he's going to do. So I'm, I'm closing here, but... That, that's, that's really all it is that we have to worry about or concern ourselves with. When we think about truth, when we think about truth in all of these different ways from, uh, uh, hist- like, like uh, Dr. Tony Evans say, historicity, when we think about it from these avenues and we think about making sure that things in our mind are right, what we're speaking is right, we also have to understand that truth is in the power of Jesus. Truth is Jesus. And us sharing our truth about our experiences, because everybody in here has a testimony. I've dealt with this myself. God hasn't done anything miraculous. I don't have a crazy conversion story. No. The fact that you're here and the fact that you've been kept safe and sane and in the, the salvation of Jesus Christ is testimony enough. And we all need to be aware of that. We all need to be aware of that. Sharing your testimony, not, not, not holding it back because you feel like you'll be embarrassed for whatever reason. What's to be embarrassed about? You're not in it no more. It's over. You're already saved. Like, what's, like what's, what's the big deal? Because no one, no, no one else can banish you to hell. And Jesus already said that the things that you have done don't matter anymore. But the things that you have done that you talk about in the truth of them can be the salvation, the salvation starter for the next person. That's all I had to share. I, I, I just want to close this down with a prayer. I, you know, I pray that this touched everybody like it touched me. I pray that we all are open, free, Gone are the chains that were holding me. Gone is the person I used to be. Free and freed from the fear by your perfect love. 
This is my exodus. I hope y'all are all free. I hope y'all are all free in sharing and talking about the things that are going to do ultimately what Christ wants us to do. Love our Lord our God with all our heart. Love our neighbor and make disciples. I hope that this all, all that we talked about tonight influences us all, a spiritual influence to go out there and be open, be open with the things that we need to testify about and what Christ has done. All right, so bow our heads and pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us the time, <clears throat> giving us the time with you, uh, giving us the, the, the moment with you, the fellowship with you, to be able to talk about the freedoms that you've given us, to learn about the freedoms that you've given us, the things that you have given us power for, the things that you have given us power over in your truth. Give us comfort and honesty in every single thing it is that we need to do for moving forward. And continue to bless each and every one of us so that we may continue to bless others who want to or their spirits even desire to be in your kingdom. Lord, I thank you and I pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.